What we've got here is failure to communicate. Freedom. Freedom! Well, sign away my freedom. Why, this is ridiculous. Don't be corny, brother. <laughs> sure, our system of free enterprise isn't perfect. But before we throw it away for some imported double talk, let's turn the clock back a few years to see what it's done for us. With your host, Mike Paul. It's, it's top end speed. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't ridden a snowmobile in probably... I mean, besides like out and off of trailers when I was buying and selling them last year, actually ridden one more than like 500 feet. It's probably been about four years, maybe four, got, five. Man, you got all that property now. You need to get one at least for the yard. Yeah, it's killing me, man. I finally got property. I finally have garage space to ride a snowmobile, but I have no time or money to support such activities. Dude. And I, I, I have a trail right behind my house, too. I see sleds oh. going by all the time it's do you incredible. actually have garage space <laughs> i do i actually it, do it's it's not full well in order to afford a house with garage space i had to sell all of the stuff that would normally go in the garage <laughs> I, I i just remember last time i was out there it was still pretty full <laughs> well that was because i just moved that was mostly right. stuff that i had to get settled in but uh yeah right. i got just my my 59 buick out there so that rest of the empty yeah i was gonna say you just got lawn equipment otherwise in there yeah oh, no, probably children's pretty, uh, toys chaotic mess that i meant to get to over the summer and the summer just got away from me really quick and uh, not much has changed i think i think you can speak for us all when you say it's got away too quick <laughs> yeah but yeah man i don't know crazy crazy winter yeah i, I you know i but i, I want to buy a snowmobile but it's uh it's not super high on the list <laughs> the yeah. basement basement read model and a couple bathrooms are a little higher on the list than the uh than the snowmobile right now we'll, we'll see how much money's left over yeah i mean we're at the point where i just we have like no recreation in our lives at all for ourselves i mean granted like i, I do firmly believe that raising children is like the greatest thing in life and i try to cherish all the little moments but my entire waking hours when I'm not at work belong to just tiny little beautiful moments with children. And, you know, it's, it's hard to cherish them all when they're uh, screaming yeah. and crying and bossing you around and you're, you're a little snack bitch running around hey, and getting snacks for toddlers. You're uh you're not, you're not making me hurry to have kids. That's for sure. Yeah. We, you know, my wife and I joke, like occasionally we try to go out to uh, get lunch with, uh you know, four little kids and it, it always sounds good on paper, like, hey, we haven't been out in a long time. The kids are a little bit older. Maybe they'll behave better. <laughs> Every time, it's just a shit show. The kid, the, the, the little baby twins are running around. The other two are just, you know, chaotic. They never get out in public, so they don't know how to act. We're trying to teach them on the fly. Right, right. Well, now we, everybody's like, fully alter, mobile. Like, yeah, like, but we think it's like a butterfly effect every time we go out that, like, that, you know, that 22-year-old bartender that, wanted to have five kids now decides she's only gonna have two you know after yeah. watching us or uh or you know maybe some people say they're never gonna have kids when they watch us and go shit yeah, i was gonna say gonna do that. you know we always talked about having having two but you, you kind of like make me an advocate for none i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's worth uh, it just don't just don't uh just don't load up free time. So front heavy <laughs> yeah well oh, we just kind of really stacked them out of the game yeah you, you mean you know going for all of them at once isn't the move <laughs> no. I well, so yeah, you know, like I was buying and selling snowmobiles <clears> very heavily um a couple of years ago, right when my wife got pregnant with the twins. I would right. I had a method where I'd buy a package deal in the summertime. So if someone's moving, I'd buy their trailer, two snowmobiles. And then in the in the wintertime, you know, I just put them in storage and then I just sell them in the wintertime one sled at a time and sell the trailer, just piece them out, make a little money. Right. So I I, I always bought things in packages and um I told one of my buddies that uh, my wife is expecting twins. And he goes, damn it, Mike, they're not snowmobiles. Slow down. <laughs> I was like, man, that package deals are just they always, they always just too tempting. It's just yeah. too tempting. You, you just, you know, you, one how, pregnancy. how can you not? Right. Yeah. You, just, you just knock it out in one shot. My, uh, my wife is, I, if there's a name for a phobia of twins, um, she has it. And, they're in both of our bloodline. So I joke with her all the time that 
she's just going to have twins and, you know, it'll be one and done. Yeah. Well, excuse me if I'm wrong about this because I'm not an expert, but just from what I've Googled, searched and try to teach myself about twins, the the male's genes have no say in it. It's all on the mother's side. It's on um, both of our families. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think should we're be screwed a, either I way. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, what's odd is that my wife has twins on, on her family side, but her uncles are identical twins and our kids are fraternal. And that's, a yeah, that's interesting. Gene. Yeah. So it's, so it's, it's hereditary, but it was a completely separate gene. There's no fraternal on her mom's side. They're, they're only identicals. So, which is odd because it's not like when they're identical, it's like the one egg splits into two or something. Right. And then right. when it's fraternal, it's like two separate eggs get fertilized at once. So they're completely right. different. Yeah, it's wild. I think, I think both her and I have twins on uh, both of our family sides. Yeah. Hang on a sec, guys. <clears throat> it's pretty yeah. wild. You're, you're almost like, what are the odds are? It, probably pretty small. Yeah. Bluetooth app. Well, you know, it's just tell her like is, whatever she's expecting. If it does happen, it's exactly that bad or worse. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's, I mean, even if it's not likely, I'm going to keep telling her it's going to happen because I think it's funny. So, what's up, Nick? Are you there? <clears throat> he looks frozen. Yep. Can you? Yep. Okay. Uh, let me piss real quick and then I'll be good. <laughs> I got to edit that out. <laughs> oh, okay. That's all right. I just started rolling for the hell of it because Chad and I were just talking. Good times. <clears throat> yeah, I should have warned him. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. <laughs> kind of like the rolling starts, but yeah, I'll just edit out this dead space. Yeah, that's fine. I kind of like sometimes when podcasts just do a rolling start with a story or something, just kind of like. The, those, um, the TLE guys do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, I didn't I, want this to be like politics every episode, you know, it's just <laughs> just given the current climate. Um, in the culture, it, it's been hard to. It's hard not more. to be. It's hard not to be. It, no, yeah. I agree. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, it, it's it's odd too because, um, you know, when I first started, I told a lot of people about it. You know, friends, family, coworkers, and like out of like just random people text me that I haven't talked to in years. Like, dude, I'm enjoying your podcast. This is great. Like, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. I'm like, oh, well, that's good because <laughs> otherwise, you know, these holiday gatherings would have been awkward with these uh, distant right. family members that are reaching out to me. But anybody, um, yeah, anybody, anybody from high school? <laughs> um, one guy that we both know who, uh, yeah, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, um, but other than that, no, a couple of my coworkers and stuff listen to it, which is interesting. Well, I was like, well, I never really talk politics there, not really the time or place, right? But, uh, right. You know, no one. If you don't like what I'm saying, they don't have to listen. It's kind of my mentality. So totally voluntary. Exactly. Someone has to go to their podcast app, search for my show, download it, and then give an hour and a half to listen to what I have to say. Right. You're that interested? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> it's completely voluntary. Yep. Yep. Agreed. <clears throat> Come on. Uh. <laughs> I was th I was beginning to worry that he got lost. <laughs> no, I just what? took the uh... one sec here. I just took the piss to end all pisses. That's what happened. <laughs> I, I didn't realize how much I was holding it in, but I'm now I'm here. I'm alive. Forgot you drank that whole camel back earlier. <laughs> yeah, <basically>. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what are we talking about? The commies? Well, I mean, I mean it's, it's hard not to talk about commies. <laughs> commies are just always being commies and doing commie stuff. Um, but yeah, for, while we're talking about commies, um, a couple of times uh, recently on the last couple episodes, we discussed this uh, educational bill, or uh, I guess you call it indoctrination bill, that the state of Illinois is trying to push into K through 12 education. Um, it's called the Culturally Responsive Teaching Standards. Nice propagandized terminology, which they're experts at. But, uh, yeah, it got passed through, like, the legislative panel today. So I think it's going right to Pritzker's desk, which, gee, I wonder which way he's going to go on it. 
I can't imagine that he's going to sign uh, or uh, say no. <laughs> Seems like a surefire signature to me. Yeah. Um, the one thing I was a little misinformed about, <laughs> small win, um, is that it it seems to be not so much about like being in the kids' classrooms, like they're going to take a class on this stuff. It's going to be university students that are becoming teachers. They have to take these courses to, quote, uh, access tools to mitigate their own behavior, racism, sexism, homophobia, unearned privilege, Eurocentrism, etc. See, I feel like this is, uh, you know, during the 90s, I was but a wee lad, so I don't really remember this. But if you go back and I've listened to people talk about like the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s with like death metal and all these things. And there were a lot of culturally right wing parents that were really concerned. And they as a reaction to this they wanted to start putting God in schools and teaching prayer. And they, they really wanted to force their version of morality on the left and people who didn't agree with their worldview. And uh, in my lifetime, at least, especially over the last five, 10 years, it's been way less of that. I don't think anybody that will not even say on the right, but anybody that's not of the left, they're not trying to impose their worldview on other people or their kids or anything. It's, it's really just become this thing like, Hey, I just want to live in peace. Don't force your agenda down my throat and we can believe what we want to believe, but just don't force me to do anything. So the right has now played defense and you know, our, our last episode defense doesn't win championships. It's become this thing where the left they're doing it. You have to admire their handiwork. This is some evil genius shit where they're controlling the culture. And like you said, they're not, it's the boiling frog. They're not going to force this to be implemented right away where they're learning like, you know, uh, what, what is the the word I'm looking for? Well, they, they were talking about like taking your kids to anti-gun rallies as field trips, like that kind of extreme radical agenda. Yeah. Okay. That's insane. But they're, they're not right. from what you just said, they're not implementing <clears throat> that right away. It's they're going to bring in a generation of teachers that, you know, as if the university system isn't already woke, they're going to take it to the next level with education and uh, I think just, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, it's going to be the teachers are all going to be hard leftists, which I had. I mean, I had teachers, I had a history teacher and a government teacher that leaned hard left. And back then I was, uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh, uh, you know, rest in peace, kind yeah, of conservative. And I gave them that kind of pushback. And I was also 16 or 17. So I didn't really know jack shit. <laughs> I just knew like the talking points I'd heard people say, which honestly is enough to be a lot of leftists in conversation. Um but I think that is going to be <clears throat> far more widespread, but I wonder how much, because, you know, even if they're winning at this institutional level, you wonder, okay, what percentage of teachers are actually going to go along with that? And I think it's greater than 50%. You know, I think the left yeah. wing people have a tendency to be more teachers, but there's going to be a lot of pushback against it, even at the the teacher level. I, uh, I, I actually called, my daughter's principal today about this, um, you know, in a nice, calm, respectful manner. I'm not like the crazy Karen parent who just like calls and is like, hey, you know, teach my kids this liberal shit. Like I try to have like, a, you know, like a, an adult conversation, you know, same spirit of that, but just nicer and more uh, thought out and articulate. More, more Tom Woodsy. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I told him, I was like, and he, I could tell right away, like I was not the first guy to call him. He's like, just talking like a politician. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, you know, as of right now, there's no changes. We don't know what's going on. Um, you know, you're not the first one to call. We have a lot of concerned parents that that are on your side that we understand where you're coming from. And I said right there, I was like, that's the problem. There shouldn't be sides. You're in the education business. There's no right. side of whether two plus two equals four. There's no side about whether what year or what year the country was founded in. There's no side of proper grammar. Like this is objective. Like everyone's on the same side of this. If there's sides, it's not education. It's indoctrination. You're pushing propaganda. And, and he's like, no, no, I completely understand, sir. I, I understand. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just, he's just giving me, you know, just lip service, just trying to say, he understands where I'm coming from, but I don't expect him to do much more from where he's standing. It's how top down systems work. He's not, he answers to a superintendent who answers to like the union steward yeah. who answers to the, you know, it's just, it's just a, uh, it's like going off on an hourly employee at a store uh, about a state, about like a, a state mandate to wear masks. It's like going off at the guy working the counter. He, he yeah. It's almost it. like uh, it, it's, it's your, it's not that you're talking to an ideological leftist. You're talking to a guy who just wants to keep his job and his pension. 
you know? Right. So he's, he's doing his best to uh, defend his overlords <laughs> and keep his job, but he's not the one that's actually caring about pushing this agenda on kids, you know? Right. So it's, it's like, you're just dealing with a bureaucrat at the end of the day, which is, you know, it's better than being one of these radical leftists, but it's still, still not good. You don't want to just be a cog in the machine and then hang your hat on that. That's still bad. Right. Well, and you know, in most cases, uh, I can't imagine that his opinions or thoughts are probably going to be that far off from what this stuff is, at least statistically speaking. Right. I, I, I did a little tongue in cheek, have to say, when he was telling me that, you know, it won't be in the kids' classroom, it'll be in the teachers' classrooms who are going to become teachers. So, like, oh, we're not going to indoctrinate your kids. We're just going to indoctrinate the people who are indoctrinating them. Don't worry. Right. It's like twice removed. Um, right. This is trickle down kind of, leftism. Yeah. So I was kind of, I just, he goes, you know, this would be at the university, the higher education level. I was like, yeah, I was like, but universities are just indoctrination camps, anyways. They're, they're not educate, in the education business. And he's got really quiet. I think I offended his, uh, his worldview. So I kind of pivoted back to be a little more uh, agreeable after that. But that was the, that was about as radical as I got. I, you know, I, I thanked him for his time at the end and told him, I hope uh, this is a non issue. At what point does it backfire? At what point does, you know, they they do so much that push comes to shove and and people, you know, fight back? I mean, I know kids are, are pretty impressionable, but you're also a product of your environment, right? I mean, mm-hmm. at a certain point, you're, you're you got to be kind of like, oh, this doesn't seem right. Yeah, I mean, I'll say like, I, I just... I really was not a big fan of school. Like it, I just had like a distaste for this, like, you know, as Michael Malice puts it, like this mediocre por- person having authority over me. I just kind of sensed that the whole time that like, what, why like this, this person has like instills fear in me and tells me where I have to be, what I have to do. And like, I, I don't want to be like that when I grow up. Like I, I hope to be, you know, I, I want more out of my life than, than that, you know? But um, I don't know. I, I feel like, certain personalities you're not going to be indoctrinated it's just kind of the, the, and the harder you push it it's kind of like when people try to like force religious beliefs down their kid's throat and they turn into atheists it's because it's like you push it on them too hard you know um so i think there's gonna be a lot of that i don't know what to what percentage but i don't think it's going to be this like everyone's a robotic sheep i mean well any more than already is that's the beauty yeah. of their strategy is you know conservatives <laughs> are as malice again conservatives are just progressives driving the speed limit and if their plan, they'll say that their plan, they're going to act like they're going to try to move us 90 clicks to the left. And if people push back on that, like, no, you're not moving us 90 clicks to the left. You're moving us 62 clicks to the left. And people on the right will think that that's some sort of token victory. But in reality, they just move you 62 clicks to the left. So even when they lose, they win. Yep. Yeah. And you really got to appreciate like the the propaganda uh, language, who was the, um, who was the, the architect of propaganda that wrote the book? What was his name? Edward Bernays. Bernays. Yeah. Um, it, it's almost like, it's it's like that level of, of propaganda. Like you have to appreciate how well they do it. Like I'm just looking at my website. It's my state line. Uh, it's like our local, um, you know, uh, propaganda channel, like the Fox or whatever it is. But it shows like the headline is Illinois adopts new culturally responsive teaching standards. And it shows a picture of students, uh, three black, two white, uh, three females, two males. It's like right away, cherry picked photo. Everyone raising their hand with the teacher with a mask on calling on a student. It's like a picture worth a thousand words, you know, like right away. They just have like the most leftist looking picture. It's like perfectly representative of all these different races. <laughs> um, but it goes to the bullet points. And one of the ones that really caught my attention was uh, it says uh, support and create opportunities for student advocacy. It's like, okay, advocacy of what? Like what if, you know, teachers, if students want to like they advocate to abolish the department of education. Would you support that? Right. No, and no, it's cherry picked. Once again, it's like, no, like advocate for, you know, banning guns and, you know, uh, all this other woke leftist stuff. So the, the manipulative, uh, manipulative language is just brilliant. I almost had to appreciate it all. Um, here's some of the bullet points. Self-reflect and gain a deeper understanding of how their life experiences affect their perspectives. Okay. Um, understand the systems in our society create and reinforce inequities. 
learn from and about their students' cultures, languages, and learning styles to make instruction more meaningful and relevant to their students' lives. Value students' feedback and leadership. Like this is just like word flop. None of this even means anything. Yeah, and Support. it all sounds it all sounds good to reasonable people. I mean, it's right. it's like okay, so acknowledge how your upbringing and your your background affects your perspective. Just putting politics aside, it's like yeah, that sounds like a good thing to do. Like understand what your biases are and how you see the world and how that shapes your views and challenge your own views. But we know that's not at all what they mean. They're talking about right. identity politics. Yeah, and and here's the last two. Curate the curriculum to include and represent a wide spectrum of identities. Like, okay, so just multiple genders. That's just a nice way of saying that. <laughs> um, and ensure the diversity of the student population is represented within the broader learning environment. <clears throat> it, like, I just read all these bullet points and I'm like, yeah, I mean, they're all just, they're all just really, they sound really nice, but I don't know what any of that means. The, the crazy thing is just that it's all broad enough and vague enough that it could be expanded any way they wanted to. Exactly. It's yeah. the general it's like, welfare clause in the constitution. I said that to, right. to the principal. I talked to him. I said, I said the hypocrisy is that like, it's supposedly people be offended if I wanted prayer in school. Like I want my kids to pray in there. What if, what if that was the bill being passed? People be up in arms. I said, but you can teach my kid that they're just racist for the crime of being born white. And that's, I'm not supposed to be outraged. Like that's, it's just so ridiculous, the double standard, but the left has never been known for being consistent. It's, it's wild. It, it really is wild. Uh, it, it, it does make you, you know, it's a, it's a good time to remember the importance of how effective things can be on a local level though. You know, that's, going to be the only place you can stop stuff like this or like you said you know you you talk i think i think it's dave smith talks about it all the time you know start with like prayer in school and right. like who, who's going to stop you kind of thing it's you know the local level is where you can start to this that kind of stuff and that's the only effective place to to bring any of that kind of change you know, whether yeah. it is the prayer in school example or, you know, whatever else. I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunities there. You know, it's yeah, go back the to right uh, needs. Sorry, go ahead, Chad. Go back to uh, like uh, the war on drugs and just say no. <laughs> but but not to drugs, I guess. Or I mean, you probably <laughs> should say no to drugs, too. But, yes, you know, that if, if you choose to or just don't let not. the government leave that, that role. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And I think that's what, what you're talking about is the right needs to start uh, not, I don't want to say playing dirty. That's just not, they need to start making the rules, not playing by whatever the, the cathedral deems are the rules of the day. <clears throat> Conservatives are great at just going like, but, but they changed the rules. And it's like, yeah, they, they always have, that should be expected. It's like, right. if you're, if you're fighting somebody that is well known for fighting dirty and then you fight them, and they fight dirty and they're, they're, you know, kicking your nuts and, and gouging your eyes. Don't sit there and clutch your pearls and say they're cheating. Okay. If you know this is going to happen, it's to be expected. So you need to have a right. game plan of how to beat it regardless of what they're doing to the rule set. So like you said, the prayer in school thing is a great example. And I know I've heard uh, Jeff Dice talk about this in the past, but just start doing it. And then what are they going to do? They're going to send federal agents into your local school to shut it down. And how, right. they know that that's a PR nightmare. They can't do that. Right. So and even, even if they do, just start doing it, they come in, they leave. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll stop doing it. Start doing it again. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, 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 we we it, talked about that a few episodes back. Like, yeah. Even if you're like, just like a, like a proud atheist, <laughs> like, would you like, what would you do if like, your son came home from school and said like, Oh, we said a prayer to thank God for this beautiful day. And that we had food on our plate. We'd be like, damn it. <laughs> these, these right wing people are Christians are way out of hand. Like, like, is it really dangerous? Is it, is it really dangerous to just to believe in God? I mean, I don't know. It, it's just so, it, we're, I don't know. man. It's just such ask. a crazy world. Yeah. And obviously depends, you're not asking, you you're not like forcing kids to pray with that example. It's like, you're just giving them the option. It's like when I was a, 
I look back at this and cringe, but I remember being proud of this when I was in high school, believe it or not. I, oh, I can't believe I'm telling this story, but you'd say the Pledge of Allegiance before the beginning of the school day every year or every, every day. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, you know, in a class of 30 kids, about 23 of them would remain sitting, but I would get up and, and put my hand over my heart and, you know, vow my loyalty to the flag in the United States federal government. And uh, yeah. And especially when you, you find out about the origin of the pledge of allegiance and all these things, it's, Oh, I make myself cringe. That's the most embarrassing thing I've ever admitted in my life. But well, you know, it, you could just do that kind of thing. It's an option and we're doing this and it, it's going to, you know, influence the culture one way or the other. Well, Nick, you got to remember before we knew who Scott Horton was and uh, as your expert on foreign policy, we had the uh, the great Toby Keith as our leader on foreign policy. True, true. Hey, you know, I, I just listened to, to Scott Horton on, oh, I don't even know which podcast he was on. But, you know, he, he kind of went back and talked about his beginnings and, and he was the same way. So don't feel too bad. Yeah. I, that's the thing is like you find that's what I really admire and relate to a lot with most libertarians. I don't say all. I don't know. I mean, Chad, you're probably the one that has been a libertarian the longest that I've known. Everyone else. <laughs> but you, even you didn't. You, I mean, no one's born that way. It's like I was on the no. right. I was on the left. Then I was able to like I was proposed with a better argument. I was like defeated and said, that's a better argument. So I adopted that like, Oh, this makes more sense. I was wrong. So I think that trade alone is rare. Not, not every person can like abandon and admit they're wrong and be like, okay, I was wrong. You win this conversation. I'm actually going to move my opinion. Most people, they paint themselves in their corner and they will get irrational to, to defend this, like the hill they're going to die on. Yeah. Even if they kind of tune out facts and logic just because they'd rather do that than be wrong. Yeah, well, yeah you know, if we want to continue, if we want to continue to uh, kiss Scott Horton's ass, which there's no shame in doing, I actually just bought his book. Haven't started it yet, but uh, got it off Amazon and going to dig into it this weekend. But you know what he talks about is people don't want to lose their identity. You know, so what you do if you want to influence people is attack the right from the right and the left from the left. You convince conservatives that no con- true conservatism is being anti-war and for a real limited government. And, you know, against all this deficit spending and everything that finances the wars and to the left, you use, it's about humanitarianism, you know, so you can pitch them. Here's the real human toll that this is causing. And you care for the, the downtrodden and the, the oppressed and the underrepresented. So here's why you should be anti-war. And I think that is, I mean, there's a lot of talk right now in, in the whole libertarian world. It's all about right now strategy moving forward. And I think there's a lot, uh, you know, there's a lot of things we can do. And, you know, I think Dave Smith and Eric Brakey just had that conversation on GOP versus LP, but it comes back to what, uh, Andrew Breitbart said, which is politics is downstream from culture and libertarians really need to start influencing culture. If we're going to have any political power or even the possibility of it. And I think that's how you do it. You know, talk about, the the bailouts and and all of these stimulus bills that are corporate welfare that's something that at the grassroots level you can get left and right to agree on you know because people don't care about you know talk to somebody on the on the right and you talk about the american military and as long as you're not bashing the troops like the infantry at that level they're open to the idea that hey these horrible blood-soaked monsters in Washington, D.C. I don't mean to steal the blood-soaked monsters term. I just like it so much. I, I know that's you know, Dave yeah. Smith. But but you don't need to convince them that those are the bad guys. Or you just need to convince them that those are the bad guys. As long as you make it clear that, like, no, there are young you know men and women in this country that are, are at a young age that are willing to lay down their life if necessary for the well-being of their country. And that's a very admirable thing. But the reality is these kids are being led astray and they're being led into slaughter and to do horrible things and they're being lied to to do it. And that's who we stand against, the people that are pulling the strings. And, you know, my quarrel is not with the troops. It is with these horrible people that are doing this. And you can have that conversation on almost anything. You know, it's, again, getting away from, like, bashing each other over what they actually care about. And uh, going towards what people can actually agree on. 
You know, nobody wants to see banker bailouts. Nobody wants to see corporate welfare. And, uh, and yeah, you just, you attack, you find a common enemy and then you make alliances. I think that's honestly the, the path moving forward. Hey, don't, don't take away my, uh, government sponsored gun fund. <laughs> Is that what you call the stimulus package? Yeah. Yeah. My, my, <laughs> I, I can't wait for my Biden bucks. I already spent them. I'm going back into crypto, man. That seems to be paying out pretty well. It, it, maybe it's a bubble. Maybe it's a pump and dump, but I'm going long-term here. Um, Dude, fifty-two thousand today. I mean, I'm, I, dude, I went. <laughs> you're going long term. I went long range. I bought a uh, three hundred. I bought a three hundred win mag. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Spent the money before you got it. Yeah, it's sitting behind me. You want to see it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. It's a true American right there. Spend his money before he got it. I'm good. Hell yeah, I love it. Hell yeah. Just put it on the yeah. credit card, baby. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right, though, Nick. You, you can appeal to the morals and values of, of both sides with minimal effort. But the, the problem that I've noticed is even in doing that, pe- people are so dug into their side or whatever, I'm doing air quotes here, that, that they fight themselves. Uh, you know, they, they, they fight against what they should believe in. It's crazy. I, I had a uh, you know super left wing person, uh, big time Bernie supporter. I was having a conversation with them, and I was talking about these wars and, and all this stuff going on. I said, like, we just need to get out, like just leave. And he says, well, you can't just leave. And I said, why not? <laughs> like, w- w- literally, why why not? It's like, well, then there won't be you know the democracy that we've worked for over there. And I said you know what? Democracy is not for everybody. They don't want it. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no reason to, to just leave. The problem is, over, sorry, go ahead. The problems over there aren't because of, they don't have democracy. It's because that we've been fucking around over there since how long? Forever. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, we I'm, started I'm like- it. We should really like take the Jordan Peterson approach and clean. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. In our own room before we, uh, you know, before we go solve the rest of the world's problems, like let's get our own shit in order at home because we are a mess. <laughs> no shit. I love how you, how you describe what the U S's uh, role in the middle East is. They're just fucking around. Like someday a yeah. hundred years from now, there's going to be some history teacher and they're going to be talking about all the foreign conflicts of the day and age. And they're like, so what was the U S really doing in the middle East? And the teacher is going to be like, yeah, they were just, Fucking around, you know. It just is it is it wrong? Couple some dictators, fun some <laughs> militias that turn into radical groups. No, they're fucking around, bombing yeah, drone, some some infrastructure. Drone strike you, a wedding or a hospital, you know, stuff like that. But the sad part is that basically is what they're doing. I mean, it's it's the you know U.S. military equivalent of it. It's it, at least you know it, it's it it kind of seems like you know they're just hanging out with their buddies over there. So I I mean I I don't know I think it works. No, it's a, it's a great descriptor. No joke. It really is. Feel free to use it. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny stuff, but yeah. Did you hear, um, who was it? Was it Jesse Kelly? Was that his name that was on Dave Smith uh, last week? Yeah. The the one line that really stuck out to me, because it's actually something that I've, I've said a lot and I think I've even alluded to on this podcast before, but only just because I'm, I'm a huge fan of music. He was talking about, uh, 
like he's like a huge rock fan. Like he's a, he's a Led Zeppelin fan, all that, which I can relate to. Um, and you know, his parents said, Hey, they hated rock and roll. Cause it's like the devil's music. And you know, you know, he's like, ah, you know, I'd love it, but were they wrong? Like, were they wrong? Like it, when you look around today, it's like, I, I've been saying the same thing. Like it, it only goes one direction. And since that precedent has been set that like, while the 1950s parents, um, you know, they got upset about Elvis shaking his hips. So you're just like them. It's the same thing. It's like, no, like Miley Cyrus swinging naked on a wrecking ball is not the same thing. Like that. It definitely kept going. So like now just because parents were outraged at one point, all behaviors excuse no matter how preposterous it gets. Or if someone's like sacrificing an animal or bestiality on stage or something like it, you're just being a, the older generations, always just being so lame. Like it's so ridiculous that. It, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't that long ago that TV shows had uh you know mom and dad sleeping in separate beds in their in their bedrooms. Yeah, when my dad was born, Mary Tyler Moore, like you know, they him and her and Dick Van Dyke like slept in different beds. And yeah. you know, it's was because like they didn't want to, the audience to be like outraged. Like, look, we know they're both actors, they're not married, we're not gonna put them in the same bed. It's like I'm not saying we gotta go that extreme. And if we do, I don't I don't want government censoring anything. I think it's a better moral standard for a for a, a culture, but yeah, but also, also, it's one of those things where I, I completely agree and I see your point about this kind of cultural decay and how the envelope is always being pushed. Is that the right phrase? Pushing sure. the envelope? Yeah, sure. That's a word. Or a I think that uh, I think they would usually put it in a more positive light, but but yeah, I think it works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm getting across. But yeah. yeah. So it's like I'm not saying that that isn't really happening. But at the same time, repression is also a very real phenomenon. And the reason you had the 1960s, uh, apart from some CIA fuckery, which I think did happen, but a lot of that was from that Puritan culture and that cultural conservatism. So I don't think that, you know, I've, we've brought it up before on the podcast, but do we want to go back to like the Victorian age of putting skirts over the legs of tables so people don't see right. a table leg and think that it's a woman's leg and get a boner when they're at dinner? I mean, so i'm not saying that's the answer either yeah exactly so i mean i'm not saying that that's the answer i don't think that works you know and i don't want to impose my cultural views and you know i I don't like hedonism or a libertine lifestyle or anything but i i really think that the ultimate answer here is just is just freedom as yeah i I totally agree but it's like you know I, yeah, I totally agree. And I'm not for any sort of censorship. I'm not, I'm not advocating for that. I, w- I just wish people as a whole would see that and be like, okay, come on guys. Like this is gross. Like just change the change the channels that people would be like, it doesn't sell. But problem is like taboo does sell. So that's why it keeps getting worse and worse. But just having kids, I think is what gives me like, i look at everything through a different light. Cause it's like, I constantly just got to censor my kids. Like you, you can hardly turn on the radio or a commercial without just like, it's just blatant, just, you know, sex being sold. And like, you know, it's like, we don't be that parent that tries, like you said, repress it too much. Cause then it becomes attractive. Um, and I mean, the toys, everything now, like there's just like, are super suggestive and stuff that these little girls that look like strippers and stuff that my, my daughter had for a little bit. I had to get rid of, um, look at, look at just look at how children dress. I mean, the difference between when you and I were in middle school to probably even when Nick was in middle school, which wasn't a long time difference, there was a difference. And then between that and now, holy shit, it's insane. Yeah, it's. I think a lot of it has to do with you know that whole MTV TLC culture. It just like makes sure. you know teen pregnancy well, is just attractive, and you know it's just so it it doesn't. We just turn things that should not be good life choices into um, attractive and like novelty. Between but, that and Instagram, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the other thing is like this unreal, just all this, all these women making money just taking pictures of their ass. It's just. Yeah, interesting time to be alive and uh, even harder to be raising daughters. <laughs> yeah. You know, before we recorded, and this kind of goes along the same token, but it's it's a little bit different. You know, you, you kind of talk about how you, you want to try to give up politics once in a while and just be without it. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And, you know, I, I've been thinking about, you know, like I'm just gonna listen to podcasts about the outdoors and 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 hunting and fishing and you know learning how to take care of myself and and survive for myself. But then you, you start to listen to that stuff, and you can't even escape it there because legislation falls into what you can and can't do to, to even take care of yourself. 
Yeah, it's yeah I, I completely I that's something I talked about on the podcast before too, Chad, or something or very similar to that. I'm like some weekends I tell myself, uh, you know, I'm just going to train this weekend. I'm going to watch jujitsu videos and, you know, listen to even just personal finance podcasts or something like that. Just something that actually brings value to your life and isn't just something to outrage you. And honestly, when I do that, it's like my life, my, my serotonin levels or whatever are just so much better. You know, you oh, just know. feel so much better when you can get away from it. But at the same time, it's like, this isn't, you could have done that 20 years ago and you would have been fine, you know, but with the day and age we live in right now, there really is a, a war to be fought, a cultural war. And you just, I can't bring myself to just completely leave it. You know, I, I think back to the guy that in the documentary, of course, the matrix, the guy that wants to take the blue <laughs> pill, he wants to, he wants to undo the red pill and go back to being blue pilled. And I feel that guy. I do. I get oh, yeah. it. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a very tempting thing to try to just walk away from this. But at the same time, it's, we're living in a crazy moment in history. You don't want to, you don't want to step away and not be there for, for everything that's going on. So it's, it's tough. I feel you though. Well, yeah, so what do they, what, what do they say? Ignorant, ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah. Sometimes just, you know, shut your mouth and put those two masks on and just go about your day, you know, just become a normie. You only wear two. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the other thing. Know. When you said it, it but follows you. It's, masks. <laughs> yeah. It's like, even if, even if you, uh, even if you want to get away from it, it's like, you're going to be reminded everywhere you go with all the new policies and everything, even though, mm-hmm. right. It seems like we're in a weird place right now with COVID. It feels like a lot of the restrictions are falling because orange man is gone and case numbers are magically dropping all over the place. And uh, yeah. it's just, it's one of those things where I, I don't know where we're going. If, if, I think we're going to, it's going to be like the TSA where there's going to be these fixtures with like masks in public. I think that's just going to be a normal thing from now on. And uh, other than that, I think we're going to get back to um, the God awful dreaded term, new normal. As, has anyone you talked about the orange man being gone? Has anyone seen him like on video or speaking? You know, basically since Where that morning Chad? of the inauguration. I've just wondered if anyone's seen anything. <laughs> what are you alluding to, Chad? I feel some sort of tinfoil hat thing coming on. I don't know, man. Is he is he even alive? <laughs> I've heard dude, I've heard so many wild conspiracies about so many things about. Joe Biden not being real about how the military is actually running things right now. There's they're like a secret war going. It's like the craziest batshit stuff that I'm like, if we have any friends that believe it, I'm like, guys, dude, you, you're you're giving them an argument when you do this kind of shit. Do not engage in this wild nonsense. Snow, but, snow turning black and not melting. Yeah, I like think snow in Texas. I heard, yeah, I saw that. That's a uh, they're saying it's not even real snow. I was oh like, guys, God. Like and I understand everything will say conspiracy after 2020, but but just pump the brakes a little bit. Right? <laughs> like, no, but 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 seriously though, conspiracy aside, has anyone actually? I mean, like, has he been on any? I don't watch cable news ever or care to like search out clips for it. But has he has he been on TV or or spoke anywhere? I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I hear Twitter's stories gone. from his. I yeah, I know it's crazy. I miss it desperately. Um, <laughs> whether whether you like the guy or don't, I mean that. That was a well cultivated work of art. That Twitter. Yeah, I have not seen him. I, I don't like. I don't watch network television. Um, yeah, I, I don't either. I don't know. And you know, the rest of the media and tech goes to great lengths to censor him. So it's like not that surprising to me that we haven't heard from him. And what else is there to say at this point? Like my crowds are still really big. I still have the largest well, crowds. They cheated. Like I think I heard. I heard some. Thing from one of his legal teams or something about them trying to uh, who they're you won't believe this they're going to sue somebody. Um, who are they going to sue? There's nothing I, I don't believe I, anymore. I think I think they're I think they're just suing the the DNC or or just Democrats as a whole. I, I don't know for um, oh how did they put it. They're they're basically suing them for the impeachment, for claiming incitement of violence. But it wasn't claiming. That's not the word they use. 
there's some legally jargon word that that makes more sense in that situation. But yeah, I saw something about that that the legal team is planning to sue somebody. I don't know Nancy Pelosi. Who knows? Whoever introduced the articles, I, I'm not sure. I'm telling you, man. Everyone just needs to do the Jordan Peters thing and just clean their own rooms. The world would be a better place. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> you're not joking. It really does, man. I mean, and and you know, it's like that. That's another thing that I've heard a lot of libertarians talk about that I think is also good strategy. But this is. You know, it's like in the book, uh, how to win friends and influence people. They talk about how, when you yourself are an example, people are more likely to listen to you. And sure. yeah, if, if libertarians in general, people notice that the, their, their kind of stereotype is that they have their shit together and they're successful, people will take us more seriously. But if, if we're viewed as kind of basement dwelling neck beard, uh, you know, trolls, then we're not going to influence anything. So I think that's also, you know, clean your own room and then the rest will fall into place. Right. That's where it's like, I, I lose hope when we're, we're like, everyone's fighting within the libertarian party where it's like, I just don't want to engage in any of this. I don't want to, I don't want to join the LP. I don't like, you know, if it starts gaining momentum, I guess I'll be a Johnny come lately. But in the meantime, <laughs> it's just watching these people fight on Twitter internally is so counterproductive. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's just I'm sick embarrassing. Of it yeah, you you know who else disappeared while you while you talk about that and think about it. And speaking of the LP, Joe Jorgensen. Joe Jorgensen. Oh, what happened yeah. to her? Thank God. Where the hell did she go? I'm gonna say the rest of Hootie and the Blowfish. I haven't seen them since like '97. True. Yeah. What happened to the rest of True. Hootie and the Blowfish? I mean, yeah. Hootie made out and started doing some shitty country yeah. albums, but Hootie's Hootie's the still Blowfish. out there covering Old Crow Medicine Show. Yeah, he rebranded it hard, but uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know where the blowfish are at because I do rest, believe rest that they are the blowfish. blowfish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, did you guys listen to uh to Spike Cohen on on Dave Smith? Yeah. yeah. What yeah. a, seems like a what a dude. Yeah, I was gonna say what a what a kind of like one eighty. Like he sounded kind of like legit. You know, I was like mm-hmm. I was like oh, like this isn't how you talked before. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think a lot of it has to be you kind of fall into like this like you know, status quo or like a, a allowable behavior when you're on the campaign trail where it's like, right. You, know, you got to pander. Like you probably, you probably flip your personality. I bet you a lot of people would fall into that where it's like, oh, I'm sure. you know, like the rush of like getting more applause and getting like higher percentages in the polls. So you start to like pander. It's like putting the right hashtags in a post to get it more exposure, you know, like it becomes like a, a kind of a skill of its own just to kind of get growth. And all of a sudden, you've lost your principled beliefs and your entire message and who you really are. You know, it, it could easily happen to, you know, I mean, most, that's why politicians just go with the wind, you know, it's just, Hey guys, is the... guys, to close out the show, we talked about this one or two episodes ago, the video of Joe Biden scaling the stairs of the airplane to get on the plane. And uh, I found, I don't know if this is the video on YouTube, but I found a video of Joe Biden running upstairs. And we're going to give our take on the theory that Joe Biden is the Paul McCartney of politics. So I'm going to share my <laughs> screen here. I still say Led Zeppelin, man, that plagiarism career has got to be addressed. Yeah, but you know the you know the McCartney right, theory that he really died in 66 or whatever it was. Mm. Maybe it was earlier than that. Do they say it was earlier than that? Yeah. My dad always joked about um, Keith Richards, too. He said, like, in 1992, he was watching The Tonight Show and Jay Leno had like a joke, and he's like, "Tonight's act is Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones in '92," and it shows a, it's a picture of a skeleton smoking a cigarette with a bandana on, and that was like 30 years ago, and the guy's still alive. But anyways, yeah. got your video pulled in here, Nick. Go into it. Okay, first of all, I just want to say I just searched Joe Biden going upstairs, right? And right away, there's a video from this guy, uh, Tony Dorty. 24 seven eyes. That's the name of his channel. And the title of the video is Joe Biden bounds up his plane stairs, showing Trump how to board a plane. And there was another video that he had that was called Trump versus Biden running up plane stairs. This guy has 232,000 subscribers and it seems like he is just a Joe Biden dick rider. So that's what he does. And he's really into stairs and how good a 79 year old man is at not falling downstairs. So it's important without further ado, 
we are going to skip ahead to where this begins and we'll see we'll see the possibilities of a stunt double or whatever we may have ready his mask Here we go. And there we have it. Um, I mean, you know, so, there, was, there was a moment in time where there were there's people blocking him. I could see how a stunt double could have stepped in. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, I think that, you know, my Biden impression, while it's not the best in the world, it's not too hard to do because all you have to do is talk like an old man who's uh, extraordinarily close to death. Um, Come on, man. But I don't know about that. I don't know if that's the video, but he did get up those stairs pretty quick while simultaneously looking like he was about to drop dead of a heart attack. Uh, he just looks stiff as a board. He looks like his entire spine has been fused. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'll have to find out if that's actually the video. That's not too convincing. It looked like him when he was talking. Sounded like right. it. <laughs> and who knows what kind of you know cocktail of painkillers, muscle relaxers, and like anti dementia medication they got him on that you yeah. know, oh, kind of increased physical yeah. you know performance. Joe Biden or, is on the which amphetamines he's on. Yeah, Joe Biden. No, is Joe big Biden he is on the probably sweetest cocktail that's ever been constructed for old folks, you know, with painkillers and amphetamines and all these things. It's like a designer cocktail he's on. So <laughs> I don't doubt that after he gets his 10 days of power napping in, and then they brief him on what happened in the world and they hit him with some intravenous meth. Uh, he could probably, he could probably do a couple, you know, sprints or whatever he needs to do, make it through a two minutes of conversation but there was a video even of today where he was talking about being tough on China. He's like, hey, and what they're doing with the Uyghurs in the, the Western mountains. And, and they had the one China policy and, and we got to, that we can't support the one China policy. He's talking about the one child policy, which is the that, one China policy to the one that went away a long time ago. Wait, he, it's he been gone for it? a long time. Hasn't it? I think, I think they lifted it. Like I could be wrong about this in the last 10 years. I just couldn't get over yeah. it. I called it the one China policy and didn't correct himself. That's funny. Is, just, is, are you saying that is, is he advocating that that's a good plan? No, no. He was saying that, look at these bad things China does. Now, of course he oh. will not do anything relating to China and the people need to realize this on the right and left. China has the U S by the balls. They like, what leverage do we have over them other than more, threatening nuclear war? Yeah. I was going to say more nukes. It's like, well, we buy their stuff. We buy their stuff. We need a strong consumer. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, guess what guys, if we stop buying it, they'll start buying it right now. They're, they're the ones that are sucking money away and, uh, and ready to improve their standard of living. And we're the people living on credit. So if we stop buying their stuff, that just means that we have to produce it domestically. We get poorer and then they start buying the, Mm -hmm. their stuff that they're producing and they get richer. You know, that's, that's what's going to happen. As we have like, you know, union labor running all manufacturing here and people advocating that, you know, we got to have equal pay for everyone. It's like, we're just going to eat ourselves alive if we ever try to manufacture. Yeah. And next time we have Gene Epstein on, or if we have another economist on, I want to ask them what happens if, because I think what does China hold in US treasury bonds? I think over a trillion dollars. What happens if they just dump that on the market and said, we're out of the US treasury game? Is that a treasury bond you're holding there? <laughs> savings bond savings bond yeah you okay. bet. yeah yeah but I, i'd like to know what happens if uh if china just dumps like yeah we're not holding it anymore and that would probably mean that they're moving to some <laughs> other currency that they're setting up with russia or syria whatever whatever the plan is i know that's an idea that's been floated out there that's always somewhere between conspiracy land and real life. Like, you know, people talk about how Muammar Gaddafi was about to create a gold back currency, but I haven't seen any evidence of that or any concrete stuff. Yeah. Well, um, we, we do have uh, Jason Stapleton coming on back next week. So that might be a good question for him. Um, yeah, I absolutely. Want to talk, want to talk of kind of like economics and the stock market, particularly right now. Um, I think it's where Jason shines the best is talking about, um, markets and, and economics. I've, I've learned a lot. Listen over the years to the way he breaks it down. 
Yeah, he has a great mind for for you know breaking that kind of stuff down. I do enjoy his analysis, and not just that, but what to do about it, which is usually part and parcel for people who are the you know the the doomers of libertarians. Which you know, I get why people bag on Peter Schiff. Let's say because he's always saying that it's right around the corner, and what sucks is while he's ultimately right, people are going to say when it does happen, well, yeah, he's a stopped clock; he'll be right twice a day. But the thing is, the other people, you know, they're not forecasting any sort of harsh correction. If you tune in, if you look at like Paul Krugman or the New York Times or anybody, any mainstream economist, they're not talking about a big collapse. So if Peter Schiff is just wrong consistently on timing, but there is a collapse of the scale he's talking about, then they're going to say he's wrong, even though he was at least predicting a collapse, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's tough, but that's why I, I really like guys like Bob Murphy too, because he doesn't have, and even Gene Epstein, he doesn't have that kind of, you know, <clears throat> that, that kind of prophecy that's always right around the corner. No, I think right. the, the moral of the story of that is like, just never get your advice or your, your um, input or anything from just one source. Like I like to listen oh, sure. to, you know, I like Peter Schiff. I like Gene Epstein, you know, Bob Murphy, all those guys, Tom Woods. And then you you kind of take your own like whatever the things you like from all of them and, and into your own opinion and kind of form from that. Be like I listen to people who know more than I do on the subject, um, and you know some things resonate with me, some things I kind of disagree with. But at the same time, I'm just learning. Like these guys have years of experience on me. Um, but uh, yeah, if you listen to just one person, I mean, you're just becoming like a super fan of one person. It's not really a uh, your original opinion. Oh, you're just a puppet. <laughs> right or, I mean, kind or, of, or 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 a parrot i guess well i mean there's a certain demographic of the population that does so i mean you know they think they're uh very you know affecting change in culture by standing with nike and citibank you hey know, guys oh, yeah. one more thing one more thing before we close this is something that actually forced me to challenge my beliefs and think yesterday i was listening to tim pool's podcast and he had will chamberlain on who's a conservative and uh, former libertarian. And they were talking about the right of a private business to discriminate and how it relates. Cause there's a hilarious story of this ammo company. I think it's from Wisconsin and uh, Michigan. they Michigan, sorry. So Chad already knows, but they, they put out a thing saying that um, they're not going to do business with Biden voters saying like, you know, you're trying to take down our business and Biden is explicitly trying to, cause they're an online reseller. And one of Biden's you know proposals is to ban the online sale of ammunition they're saying you're a binded supporter. We're not going to do business with you. This is, you know, it's our right to do it. And they're obviously trying to troll the whole, you know, social media giants are private companies that can do what they want. And uh, anyway, they were talking about the right of a business to discriminate. And they talked about how libertarians are wrong about this, about how, you know, the civil rights act of 1964, how, you know, if we, if we didn't, just have the the second provision of the civil rights act. If, if we just repealed Jim Crow, but then let people voluntarily associate instead of, uh, you know, forcing people to accept business and customers, how it's not so much that the, the businesses in the South were forced to do it via Jim Crow laws, but about how the average customer base was racist. So if somebody was serving blacks at a diner in Alabama in 1961, if that business owner, it's like what logic tells you is, oh, they don't want to lose that business. They could add 20% to their revenue if they just serve blacks. But they are saying that, no, that wasn't going to help their bottom line because they would turn off all of their white customers in that area. And, you know, you'd have a much slower regression of or progression of integration in the 1960s. And it honestly made me think, I'm like trying to play this out in my head, like, okay, let's say that you have full voluntary association and I get it in 2021. I think the libertarian answer is completely right. I think, you know, if anybody puts up a whites only sign on their restaurant, they're going out of business. But back then I think there's an argument to be made that this actually did help things along. And they were talking about uh, stories of, you know, a black family traveling in the South and trying to find a hotel or a motel to stay for the night and a diner, and they have to pull over and, and sleep on the shoulder of the road in their cars because they can't find a spot that'll that'll take them. And uh, it, it makes you think. And I think the best argument that I could come up with against it is the fact that, okay, it would slow th or things would be slower. Um, but also, 
you're going to have businesses that do cater to people and they're going to open up. That wasn't my main argument. What was I going to say? No, I think my, my main argument is that I don't, you need to show me proof that, you know, the, the other white customers would be so racist that they wouldn't, they would boycott that restaurant for serving blacks. That to me, it sounds like it's more about the Jim Crow laws shutting it down than it is about the cultural, you know, reaction to it. That's a very interesting uh, case I've never heard. Um, And yeah, it does make you think. And, and, you know, unfortunately, it's kind of like the the COVID lockdowns. We can't run a simultaneous uh, control study to see how much the lockdowns did or didn't help. Um, It's like we we don't know how much Jim Crow laws influence racism, Um, you know. So that's what's kind of interesting is how many, you know, mob mentality is real. People like follow the herd. So like when the government is making laws that are like, you know, segregation, children are brought up to not like someone because of the color of their skin, because it's like, Oh, this fountain's for whites. This one's for blacks. This swimming pool's for whites. This is for blacks. Um, that that kind of sets the tone of the whole culture. So yeah, you're not going to flip that back overnight. Um, I, I guess what's interesting to me is, so, I mean, in between race, you know, uh, or the, the abolishment of slavery and then like the, the racism of the Jim Crow laws, um, I mean, Henry Ford in, in like 1910 or 19, like right when the Model T was coming out, he was well known for hiring blacks in Detroit um, and, and Jews. You know, he's an anti-Semite. They said like he didn't discriminate when he when he uh, when he employed. So it was like. You know, no one thought like people wanted to buy Ford cars if black people were making them in 1910. So it's kind of interesting. That's like how how much of culture started to think that way because the segregation laws and they're they're raised to see everything black and white and to and to hate their neighbor for the color of their skin because right. of the Jim Crow laws. All right, you make it a rule and become second nature. Yeah, kids are brought up in yeah. that world. It's like, and the other thing that I I thought of when he was saying this is okay. Let's let's take like. Uh, something that's different, but I think draws an analogy that's that's legitimate, which is like marijuana legalization and how people on the right, especially the older, like the boomer cons, were very against it. But then once Colorado, you know, dropped it or they legalized it and all of a sudden you saw that people on the right weren't pushing back, they just stopped caring. And it was the same thing with gay marriage. I think that's a better analogy, gay marriage it's not like people were trying to overturn that or exclude gays from their businesses, even if they don't like it or agree with it. They're just like, yeah, okay, whatever. And they just dropped it. So I think that if you drop things at the legislative level, people lose their cultural willpower to fight back against it. You know, it's like the battle's over guys. Like, you know, you had a run in the South where you had Jim Crow laws and, you know, obviously things are moving in this direction where we're not going to have segregation anymore. It's like once MLK had these these protests and these marches where people were peacefully protesting and getting blasted with fire hoses. Any decent person, you know, even if they like were had the, you know, racist kind of cultural views of the day where they just, you know, thought blacks were, you know, dirty or lazy or whatever, they valued themselves or they fancied themselves good Christians. And when they saw defenseless people acting peacefully in the streets and just asking for equal rights and they were getting treated like animals, it forced them to take a good hard look at their beliefs and they, they changed. That's what actually changed the culture. So I, to me, it's, it's a good argument. It's the best one I've heard in favor of, you know, anti-discrimination laws. But at the end of the day, I, I need more proof that things were so horrendous that it would have put businesses out of business just for serving other customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, Naval Ravikant has a great quote. Um, that he talks about anytime any challenge or obstacle appears in your life, you always have three choices. You can change it, you can fight it, or you can accept it, like no matter what it is. So even like with this, this school indoctrination bill, um, like I can change it by sending my kids to private school or homeschooling. I can fight it by trying to rally a petition and try to get the change on the local level, or I can just accept it and do nothing and say, whatever, I'll try to mitigate it at home. Um, right. It's kind of the same thing with any of these culture wars, like, you know, like the segregation, like the, or the gay marriage reference they gave, like the, the right, just accept, can't change it. So you accept it. Those are always the three options. And uh, unfortunately, the left is always fighting and we're always accepting. <laughs> Seems to be the the uh, dynamic of this fight. Well, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if we are, but but the mainstream right is for sure. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I mean by we. I mean, we, the, we us losers. 
So yeah. one of those yeah. better. You mean whoever's <laughs> not them. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're libertarians. We're, lo- we're used to losing everything. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're happy about 1%. <laughs> well cool guys i think it's a good point to wrap We're a little faster now or any, anything else you guys want to close on or all set hashtag and the dmv and the dmv we will well, get to t- that one of these days and the uh the, the the jordan peterson prank phone calls nick uh teased you guys with like a month and a half i ago swear it's not. coming and it's like it's a lot of work to put in you have to do hours and hours of practicing to get this impression down and all the mannerisms and then to actually call the bloody auto parts store and talk about cleaning up your car and solving problems. It's a lot of work. But hey, one day we'll do it, Bucko. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> we promised. Sometime in the year 2021, Nick will do a prank phone call, which they are hilarious. So, they all right, are. guys, uh, please head over to Twitter. Follow us at Paul's uh, 2 underscore wall. Um, or sorry, T-O underscore Paul's. Man, I've not been on Twitter in a while. Um, and uh, head over to iTunes and leave us a review and let us know what you think of the show. Thanks. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.